Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording today on Saturday, October 15th. Nope. 12th. It's the 12th. 12th. See, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome. <clears throat> Obviously don't know my dates. Um, like You've been sick for a few days, so understandable. Yeah. Um, but just getting better, and we wanted to... We had a bye week on uh, football, which we'll get into get into later. But um, we wanted to take some time to recap UCLA sports happenings and uh, what's going on. So, uh, biggest thing was Pac-12 media days for basketball last week. That yeah, was exciting. Oh, and Mick was probably the highlight. I mean, it was definitely the highlight. Uh, he had some great quotes. Um, did you tune in live? I was just. I, was... Um, I did not tune in live. Uh, I just ca- I caught the the video of him um, being interviewed, and you know I think I, we've said this a bunch, and I think a lot of Bruin fans have been saying this, but like everything he says is just great. Everything. The man just like exudes confidence, and I just I can't wait to see his teams on the floor. Yeah, and you know, I was. I, everyone has been saying that he's checking all the boxes, but I would say that he's even making new boxes for himself to check. He's like going like far. What? So, so, for example, I mean the showcase. Like he, you know, he he's put that together, which is something that we always knew we made. But he made that a line item and a, a bullet point, and he said, "Hey, this is something we need to do." I know big programs do it. Um, I'm not not sure well, if he did it. Since we've never done it. Yeah, when especially blue bloods across the country have their midnight madness or their you know yeah the, Kansas the just got in trouble night. for Some... having Snoop Dogg. We should have Snoop Dogg. He's right there. <laughs> His son went to our school. I don't know if he didn't graduate, but yeah, Snoop well, should be there I think with. He stayed polls. on as a student. I don't think he left the school. He just left the football team. So I don't know, but yeah, we oh. should have Snoop. I want Snoop. I want Dr. Dre. You can get Kendrick. Nah, Dr. Dre's a <laughs> Trojan. I don't. I don't. I don't need him. That's true. Yeah. No. He's no, dead not. to me. Yeah. Um, but we should have performers. Anyways. I think this is a great start. Um. Any. Anyway, but Mick's doing all the right things. Going back to Media Day, we digress. Uh. I, I. He just had some great quotes, and I think that's the best part about him is that he's extremely witty. He seems so turned on, um, and he has just that Midwest charm that you can't teach, which is so funny enough because our last coach was also um, from the state near, next door to him, but uh, it just seemed to be lacking. But uh, one of my favorite quotes from the day was when they're asking him about Sharif, and um, they ask him about the summer league, and he, he says, you know, I, don't, I could score 20-something points in the summer league. <laughs> he said, I saw the guy, he was like, I saw the guy uh, who was guarding Sharif, and he looked like he served me lunch, so, and I just, I love that about him, that brashness, he's just, yeah, he just takes it there. Yeah, he's honest, but he's also, I mean, he's been so optimistic, and just been so positive about moving to LA, embracing UCLA, um, the guys on his team, you know, he hasn't recruited any of these guys, but he seems to really, like, you know, embrace them as as his guys now, um, and it's you really mentioned nice recruiting. That. 
You mentioned mm-hmm. recruiting in the sense of there was a quote I think we both know it where he said the first thing I had to do when I got here was recruit the guys that were here. That's another great right. quote, and I think you're touching on that. Right, and he he seems to have very successfully done that. Uh, the players really seem to like him and respond to him. Uh, so it's it'll be it's it's exciting that like that program genuinely seems to be on the rise right now. Um, and it's been a very, very long time coming, in my opinion. Yeah, it can't come soon enough. And it is one of those things, like, it just feels right. I think even for the, the sports world, fans, when they see UCLA's winning, they're like, okay, uh, it, 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 it makes sense, it feels right. And I guess, you know, that's more the traditionalists uh sense that most people it, it touches on or that that type of emotion but <clears throat> yeah it's you know people people who you know i know that don't know a single thing about college basketball and they'll ask me like oh is is uh, ucla expected to like win this year and i'm like no <laughs> they're like what that's shocking to me i'm like yeah we haven't been good in like a decade and they're so and, and they're legitimately shocked they're like oh like UCLA is always good. I'm like, no. Yeah. They're not. Well, you can tell them this year. I don't want to have this discussion. You can tell them. Yeah. I mean, look, the product on the court still remains to be seen, right? We haven't seen a single game yet. We haven't seen what we're going to look like as an actual basketball team. But, you know, 50% of being a coach seems to be like he, Mick is a real teacher from all accounts and he has embraced UCLA and the culture and that as fans are just very very positive signs that yes this team will actually be at some point in his tenure in a good spot so I think that I think it's okay to sit here and be excited about it I know a lot of people are like oh why are you so excited about it it's Mick Cronin but I think he's the coach that you know, we all didn't want necessarily, but I think the coach that in the end that we will we needed. Yeah. He is the hero. The hunger is there. The hero we don't deserve, but we need. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it and he's, you know, he's, you know, on the younger side for a coach. He's hungry. He still has a lot to prove. You know, he's been successful at Cincinnati and, and we've touched upon this in the past, but he hasn't hit those elite levels yet. I think he potentially could, especially with UCLA and the talent we have here. You know, the laundry list of reasons why he should be able to accomplish that. But he he seems to have that drive and that hunger to actually want to get to those levels. And that, that at the crux of it, is what's exciting. You know, it's interesting. I say, I think that one thing that will have concern... You know, I guess people can say, like, oh, well, he's at UCLA. It's easy for him to do these things. But I could see him taking a different approach coming to UCLA. And I think, you know, some of those coaches that we missed on might have taken that approach, um, especially two of them. Um, And that approach being, like, when they got to UCLA, they didn't necessarily embrace, you know, the first of all, all of the old player, the you know, the former players. I don't want to say old because that's a sensitive subject. But... Um, so the former players, um, also the, he might've not 
taken you know taken the UCLA Brandon and threw out offers nationwide and offers and started recruiting hard hitting the ground you know like there are things he he may have came in and and just been like yeah I'm ready here I'm ready to collect my paycheck the season's coming up he's just he's going so far of the extra the effort of what we've seen of our past I wouldn't say that happened with Howland but with our past coach and so it's just refreshing again to have somebody no, not he's not getting any mention, because I don't want him to get paid from our show. Um, but uh. <laughs> yeah, our former coach. I just don't want. <laughs> I it it's it's refreshing to see someone. I mean, we've said this before in other podcasts, and other millions of other podcasts and interviews have said it. But it's the energy seems unlimited that he's gonna continue to do it. He and then it just it's a bonus that he already has like. Uh, uh, the you know number one point guard, and the next class committed, and he is we're leaning for you know another blue chip and possibly hopefully he can flip another one, um so it just shows like UCLA is even already in a short amount of space, back with the big boys in terms of recruiting at least on the west coast and hopefully over the next few years with you know some good runs which we expect and again. Going back to unrealistic expectations that the media, quote unquote, the media, national media says that we have, we want our team to go to the Elite Eight and Final Four regularly. That's our expectation. We understand the climate, and we think Mick can get us there. He's doing everything right. He's setting himself up for success. And Media Day was just, again, he was hitting all those points, saying all the right things. He's, you know, he's, he's connecting with the beat writers. Um, in San Francisco at Pac-12. And it's just, again, it's refreshing. Like, you can't help but root for the guy, no matter how this season turns out in itself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the cool things, you mentioned kind of the culture shift and, you know, bringing old or uh, former players back into the fold. Um, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but he took down all of the current players' banners and names off of the practice court. And replace them with like these cool uh, graphics of all the players that have been drafted from UCLA in the first round. Like that is that is, and that's just common that sense I, to most of us, you know. But some of these right. things slip and through, and you're like, "Thank you, Mick." Like you feel it feels like he understands, like a passionate fan who wants to get it right. <laughs> right. And it, it makes perfect sense, right? And and it's a motivational tool. Don't put the guys who are playing on the team's names up there. They haven't deserved or won anything yet. Give them that target. Give them that goal. Hey, guys, you do well and like play to your potential. You could be one of these guys. And I think that's sort of a signal of this move. Like, this is what our program is. And this is what you should strive to get to. And he seems to really be hammering that point home constantly and I love that about him and and even beyond basketball he seems to be taking that John Wooden approach of you know I, he's trying to not just be a basketball coach but trying to help these kids be successful in life beyond basketball you know he he mentioned that at um, media days where you look you know I want them to be there's you know I think he said there's numerous roads to measuring success one of the one of which I consider as you know molding good people in general kind of beyond basketball through my program and that's what he's trying to aim to do and that's 
you know, really great hearing from a coach yeah. that he's, you know, going beyond just, you know, okay, I'm going to get the most out of my players. He's not just being a utilitarian, right? He's really trying to, you know, help these kids. And that's, that's cool seeing. Uh, and, and just another point to be excited about. Yeah. I mean, the season hasn't played out yet, but he, you know, the term that's popular is players coach. I think he's also a fans coach. Like he is really, um, he's able to hit both roles uh, because it honestly feels like, like we're, you know, if we didn't have to do the X and O's, us fans would would do everything, would want everything done that he's doing. So he's serving right. us pretty much in the way that... The caveat being, if he does lose, have losing seasons the next like two or three years, then yes, the fans will not be happy about that. But I think in this case, as long as he doesn't, you know, we'll get to see who his real character is. Again, this is a honeymoon stage. Um, right. But we'll get to see how his real characters are. I expect gaffes out of him in media... Um, just because he's not even, that's what I like about him. He's not really that polished. He says some things I'm like, Oh, he's just teetered on, on saying something that might, you know, offend the, the political correctness world, which is fine. Cause I, I sometimes dive into that, but, um, he, I, we are going to see, but I think he buys himself some time and patience with the program. Um, and you know, as long as he stays true to himself and, and and we're not overreacting, I think he'll have the fair amount of time to win because our former coach, I almost said his name, got well enough more time to win here inconsistently, you know. And so I think, if anything, he should deserve more as long as he's producing the standard result, which is at least, a, I guess, a Sweet 16 at this point, which is sad, but... I guess we would want to go to Elite Eight every three years is my expectation. It, at, I think that's fair. I, it's, and then yeah, and I, tournament I think... runs every year. Tournament runs every year, Elite Eight. Um, I don't want to say every other year, but hopefully, you know, and then the Final Four, hopefully every three years as well, or every four years. Right. <laughs> I, I think there's a cautionary tale for Mick to follow in Ben Howland's tenure. Uh, there's a lot of parallels between both of those guys when they start at UCLA, kind of similar-minded, um, tough, defensive coaches uh, who have particular systems. Now, I will say, I don't ever remember, and I was you know, fairly young when Ben Howland started at UCLA, uh, but I don't ever remember people talking about Ben Howland in terms of uh, coming into UCLA and ingraining himself in the community the way Mick has done. So I think that is, he's even improved on that a little bit, a lot bit, I would argue, than Howland did. But aside that, from that, Ben Howland had a very particular system and he basically abandoned it, you know, midway through his tenure. And then we all saw how that ha- ended. And so I think that's a, perfect cautionary tale for Mick like look you're on the big stage now you're in the media circus sometimes you're gonna get these you know recruits that are possibly head cases that are just you know there for attention they have all the talent in the world but they also have a lot of other issues going on with them so for he needs to be stay true to himself you know get the recruits that are good that have the talent that 
you know, deserve to come play at UCLA, but also will buy into that system that he's put in place and just don't abandon that if it's working. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think Howland fell prey to that as he, after those final four runs that he kept falling a little short, he kind of threw all of his system out the window and tried to be an offensive coach, and it was not, you know, not positive results from that. And so I think Cronin should look back on that and be like, okay, these are some mistakes that Ben made and how I should avoid them. That's, I think there's a, there's a very recent example of what he can should and should not do. Um, but let's let's talk about like our actual expectations for this season. So the media poll had us as eighth. That's bullshit. With uh, Colorado and and Oregon at the top, <clears throat> and so they had a smack dab in between Oregon State, which received more votes uh, than us, and then we're right above Utah. Um. Uh, my immediate. <laughs> It, like visceral reaction to that was I want to bet money on UCLA over eight like they're gonna not be that bad I agree where where would you have them because USC I, is fifth which is glaring um and then Arizona's fourth Washington's third look we have enough talent to compete with anybody in the Pac-12 we, I would argue we have more talent than a lot of teams in the most teams in the Pac-12. We have, what, like eight four-star guys and a couple of five-star guys at least? Yeah, yeah, we're Something, up there. If we're you Oregon. go back. I mean, the, the, the players on our team are not untalented, scrubby players. And I think the media was just lazy. They're like, oh, they lost hands and Wilkes. They have a first-year coach. They have a first-year coach. They didn't bother to look at the roster at all. And they probably also included Moses on that as just given his length and not thought about his actual right. impact. Right. Oh, they lost three five-star players, and now they're trying to rebuild from that. They're not going to be very good. That's sort of the narrative they're trying to put out there. And I, I disagree. I think there's enough talent on this team to be competitive in the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12 is probably going to be garbage again. Yeah. I expect this right behind Washington um, in terms of a record. Uh, and then I would say we're in the four to five, like in the top four to five range. Yeah, and that would have us right behind Washington as Arizona's fourth because I, I expect a down year from Arizona. I mean, they're going to be decent, but I expect, like, we're going to be battling it out, and USC would just flame out per usual. I mean, we Southern Cal's are going to be guard. I, like, I have no reason to believe. I don't know why people keep buying into the hype. They can get all the talent in the world there, and they're still going to suck because Andy Enfield is a shitty coach. Yeah. And we'll see that happen once again, but um, that program somehow has some false hope. Um, so. Well, the somehow is they, they, they have the money. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I think we both have an idea that they're going to end up in the four or five right there with Arizona. Um, but we'll see. Both of these programs, uh, we're, they're on the eve of, you know, a notice of violations. And their penalty, in, in, in regards to their penalties, so that could happen within the next two weeks, and we that could affect the team. We don't know. I'm so excited. Me too. And so I hope, oh, my gosh, yeah. 
Hopefully it happens. I've never been I've never been such a big death penalty proponent in my life before. <laughs> Are you sure? I remember back when uh USC received their ban. I was pretty happy. Uh that's true. <laughs> I was probably a big death penalty proponent back then too. Yeah. But it happens like once a decade when uh we get some news like this. When it's been revealed and certain teams are being scandalous. Oh, I'm, I'm hyped. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be in the top, you know, five quadrant. I guess not really a quadrant, but top five kind of zone of the Pac-12. Uh, I mean, ta- like, like we just mentioned, talent-wise, we have plenty of talent. I think the key is going to be point guard for us this year. Tiger, you know, is coming off of a... A season-ending injury. He hasn't played a single minute of college ball yet, so we'll see how he does with that. Uh, and then even more key to that is who's going to be the backup point guard. Like, Singleton was the backup point guard to some capacity last season. He's not re- technically or didn't really was wasn't really recruited as a point guard. He's more of a combo guard, but he's probably going to have to play backup point guard when he's back. And so that it, the point guard situation is definitely a little sketchy. Um, and that, have, I, I think um, even if we had a solid point guard behind Tiger and then Tiger wasn't, you know, a redshirt freshman, uh, essentially, I, I think that we would even have, I would have UCLA up in the top three um, with Colorado and Oregon, but that point guard, like you need a point guard in a college basketball game for these long seasons. And one, like our two point guards, we've seen it. And that was one thing that happened during Howland's days was that he was suffering at point guard um, after Westbrook and Collison left. Um, And we saw how that played out. It was just, we weren't able to get momentum going on the wins and the offense going. It was always stagnant and I think Tiger, I mean, I expect him to be better than the the two point guards that we had during um Holland the end of his his tenure. Um but yeah, we had a lot of big men, a lot of length. We usually do, and point guards usually affected our record and we finished around I think four or five back back then. Yep. Yeah, and it's interesting, there's no and Mick pointed this out there's no like one standout star player on this team right now you know he said they're gonna have to use their depth to be successful and they do have the depth to be successful we're not gonna have you know the one star scorer this year I think it's gonna be a team effort now maybe perhaps you know down the stretch of the season someone emerges like that I could see someone like Sharif being that guy um or or someone like maybe Prince Ali, actually, the light turns on for him at this point, and he becomes that guy. I don't know. My bet's going to be but, a singleton, but that I know he's coming off injury. But I think he can be a, a, a consistent scorer, putting up about 13, 14 points. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to watch if anybody like that emerges. But I think that approach of, hey, this is a – a team game, so we're going to use our entire team to win games, is a perfectly, like, logical thing to do and not just have, you know, the same lineup out there all the time and some sort of stupidly used platoon. It sounds like he's going to be mixing and matching 
the lineups throughout the season to you know win games and if that's the strength of the team then we should absolutely use that so i yeah i think we're both in agreement on the you know one to one to four one to five kind of range in the pack 12 it's kind of the upper half for sure um i don't i don't I think we should be in the tournament. I don't know how far we'll go. I will not make that prediction as of now without seeing the team. But based on talent, based on what we're hearing from practice, um, which you know can always lead to false positives, and based on you know what Mick Cronin has been saying, I don't see any reason we shouldn't be in the Pac-12 uh, or in the tournament. Yeah, and we can we're gonna do another episode right before the season where we can make like predictions on the actual predictions. Yeah. And then we can make our bold rash predictions. Rash predictions. You know, by then we'll be all saying national championship. Exactly. Well, you know, I'm going to say undefeated. They're over 30 (laughs) games. And then. (laughs) So I want to. 29 and 1. I want to let that simmer. Um, But yeah, uh, we'll do that another. But in regards to Pac 12 Media Day, it is interesting to see how. It's, you know, I'm, I'm surprised the media hasn't really taken a look. I'm not, actually, I'm not surprised, but we'll see how, um, how the, how the writers, uh, switch gears once they start right. seeing UCLA play their non-conference. Right. Yeah. I, I think they're, that, um, this team is going to prove a lot of people wrong, in my opinion, so. It's exciting. It's exciting to actually be excited about a UCLA basketball team again. It's been a few years. It's nice. At least one of our revenue yeah. sports we can be hopeful. Ugh. Yeah. Did we both forget there was a football game last week? I tried to... You flushed that out of my mouth. Did you watch? Because uh, so Zed, for all the viewers out there, Zed had a um, he was with with family that day, so he actually missed the game. And I I did rewatch it. And I I purposely texted him saying, "Do not watch this game." <laughs> we all just uh, I still. did. Oh gosh! So I watched it during the week. I did the the Pac-12 uh, network has like the sixty minute game yeah. where they cut out all the the bullshit. So I did, I did watch it. My first take on it was like, I mean, like there was nothing new. It was the defense is absolute garbage and our offense is weird. My like biggest takeaway was like, Austin Burton looks like a actually solid quarterback in a full game. Yeah. And I was proven, I, I mean, I had question marks and I still want to see more, but Austin, he, his decision making was really solid throughout the game. Um, so I was happy with that. I don't think his arm is as strong in terms of the zip on it, and that's always going to be a oh, thing. Oh, absolutely not. But he gets the ball there. He had an accurate ball. The one throw, the TD to Kyle Phillips, was very impressive. It was beautiful. On the run. Oh, my. Yep. There was, like, there was great QBs um, that uh, UCLA QBs. Would we'll miss that throw. That couldn't make that throw. So that was good to see. Uh, and the catch, too. The catch by Kyle Phillips, who was just, I mean, it, and that's a, I won't go into, it, but Kyle Phillips has been outstanding. I think so far throughout his two years as a player, 
Um, so the the receiver core has not been the problem this year, and I've been saying that a lot. Yeah. Um, look, we had a couple of games, maybe one game where there was an issue of drops, but like overall, I, they've been good. Coda's been good. Uh, Phillips has been solid. Felton's been a I star. mean, Felton is whatever Felton's role is now. I mean, catching the ball hasn't been really an issue. Asiasi's been solid for the most part. He's had a couple of issues with drops, but overall, like, he's made some hard catches. Irwin, uh, same same thing as Asiasi, been pretty good, has had a couple of drops as well, but, like, you know, he's also made some really tough catches. One uh, play that comes out to me was that game, it was last week's game where he caught it, like, right at the goal line and through, like, two, two or three defenders. Oh, yeah. I think Irwin is the second most athletic uh, wide receiver on our team besides Felton. And he's fast. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, look, that was, the, that was my takeaway. We let some random 6'7", goofy-looking quarterback throw six or five touchdowns or seven, whatever he threw for. Eight. Just keep going. Just Eight? Yeah. No, it was uh, he threw, he threw five, and then he had one on the ground for six. Yeah, so, you know, we let that happen again because our defense is terrible. And then we tried to play catch-up and came up short. So, you know, that again, that was my, my biggest takeaway was Austin Burton looks like a pretty solid quarterback. I, I almost, you know, I, I re-watched part of it again while I was doing some work. And I was like, you know, I would almost argue he looks better than DTR right now. His decision-making has been better and... He can also take off with the ball when he needs to. It's not like... I, I do feel like, looking back on it, everyone, including ourselves, or at least myself, like really over what was oversold on, oh, DTR is such an athlete, and we're going to take that advantage of that. You know, he is a super great athlete, but like you don't need that for to be a good quarterback, and I think we just got, got blind, a little blinded by, by the like shiny, the shiny toy. Yeah there and i also want to say like i'm just going to give one example because this game obviously again exposed coaching on well not even just on the scheme side but i just want to speak about how frustrating chip kelly has been it was early on on our 34 yard line when he went for four he went for he went for it on fourth right it was fourth and two and it, it's just again it's like it's the first quarter like i'm uh, i think most of us in the college game are wanting our quarter or our, our coach to go for it on fourth down but it's the first quarter you're down seven and you decide to go for it on fourth and two right on your 34 yard line all right great don't run the same play you ran on third down nearly identical Agree. play like it's it's so frustrating. It's literally it's insane now. It's it and I and it's that's a coaching issue. The reason why we're down twenty one, oh, in the first quarter just again exposed coaching and the fact that Jonathan Smith, who funny enough, um had won um in the Rose Bowl when he was quarterbacking, um in a thriller versus our team, um had he was just <coughs> Jonathan. Decided to be bold, and he said, "You know what? I'm gonna kick an onside kick." They got the ball on fourteen to yep. zero. 
that's how much little respect that the Pac-12 coaches have for our coach. It is such a glaring issue. Um, yeah. And it, it's just, I'm not, I'm not going to go through the rest of the game, but, like, the players were able to pick it up. But I really give props to the players for getting those 31 points because um, the schemes were not in their favor. Um, and they, I Yeah, I remember that play you're talking <laughs> about. Was that the one where there was, like, a ton of motion, people were shifting around? All for them just to run up the same play up the middle where they got hit behind the line like four yards behind yeah that behind play really back. stuck out to me yeah yeah it was insane because I think even the commentator was like oh what what are they gonna play, run here there's a lot of lot of uh, motion going on and then it was just the same thing and the and the defense oversold on it and they guessed right because you know. They probably looked at all the data, and then in 85, 90% of those situations, it's run up the middle. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, like, we, we've been saying this for a while, um, and nothing's a, changed. Uh, sorry, it was a fourth and one. Let me correct myself. It was instead of fourth and two. So it was a fourth and one, which made the call okay, even though it's risky. I don't know, I, I'm fine with the aggression, but I'm fine with the aggression. And um, but to go for a run and then a loss of five yards, it's just it's just mind-boggling. I I don't I don't understand. Yeah, if you're gonna be aggressive, don't call the same play over and over again. It's not gonna work. Um. Yeah, and you know, game the game was indicative of the same thing. But now we're, we're seeing sort of a second wave of transfers, which is, I think, even more alarming than our on-field result right now. Uh, I, so I think the Theo thing, Theo's transfer is just, it's a very unique situation versus the others. I know you're pretty heartbroken about that. You're a big Theo fan. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I used to yell in the Rose Bowl free Theo. I remember his first pass was a TD. Uh, it was in my mind, so I don't know if that's a fact or not, but that's what I remember. It was, I think it was against Arizona, and uh, it was like, I think it was, yeah, I believe it was a TD, and he caught it, and then the guy, his defender missed, and he ran in, and I was like, I told you, he's a next great wide receiver. I do remember you saying that. Um, you did always yell free Theo. Yeah. And so, but, I mean, I guess he's free now, but Theo was like, he. I think, you know, there was a debate that Caleb was our most important wide receiver last year, and, I mean, not wide receiver, but our most important receiver, and I argue that Theo really was our rock. Um, and again, we, yeah, we our receiving core has been fine this year, but I think, I, I, would, I would argue that with Theo... My biggest argument is our the offense would look better because we knew we had him as an option, um, as a go to sure. go to um, receiver for you know sticky situations. And his his route running I thought improved. I was expecting a breakout year for him to make maybe honorable mentions of of Pac twelve all Pac twelve. So it, I mean it, the season I I'm happy that he's he's getting out of Westwood in the whole situation. He deserves a bit better. He seems like he's yeah, been, he got his degree. He got his degree. He seems like a great Bruin. But that I guess that's my point. I think what happened was our medical staff is so conservative. Um, the fact that he 
I think that he, what actually happened was that they weren't going to clear him, right? And he obviously was in the cast throughout most of the camp. He comes back for the Oklahoma game, and he he hurts his other hand, right? And he probably, if he played yeah. on another team, he would probably still be playing, right? And But the fact that he had already missed four games, he decided, he said, you know what? You know, I... I, I'm going to miss most of the season. We're one in five, so there's not much postseason that I'm going to be playing for, right? Like, in yeah. terms of getting to showcase his talents, because now he's thinking about the NFL, he's a senior. His thought, it makes sense for him as a senior now is to redshirt, and he's not, he's already, I think he's taking a graduate program right now, right, at UCLA. I don't think he could even, this is me speculating, that he could, he could take another um a graduate like he could get another masters right so for him to I don't know. opt into redshirting my theory is that he had he redshirting meant that he had to transfer and he's going to have to grad transfer somewhere um that is my theory on it i don't think no, that's that's probably a fair <laughs> fair theory i i don't think there's from all accounts and i don't know if you saw his twitter exchange with um ben bolch from the la times but it doesn't seem like there's any bad blood between him and the staff. It's just more of a more of a you know this is business and you know I need to do what's best for myself type thing. Yeah, um, and I, I just think and, you know I'll, so, good for him and I'll I, I wish nothing but the best to him. Yeah, I think he was banking on this season to help his draft prospects, and given the right. injury not being cleared, he said, "Well, I can't come back next season at UCLA. I'm going to go someplace else." And this is right. also and I, off a of precedent of like Justin Murphy, which got a lot of flack for getting cleared by UCLA for a six-year eligibility, and next thing you know, you know, he transferred elsewhere. He ended up in Houston, which that's a whole nother story as well. But, um. So I just, I'm fine with our staff being conservative, though, just in the sense of, you know, there there is life beyond football, and so for these kids to just, you know, not know what kind of injuries and you know keep playing on them, I think in the long run they will be better off with that with that conservative kind of approach to to medicine here. I agree, but I do think. I think our biggest red flag for the players will be when a sophomore, like DTR or Casimir, start to trans, like are putting in their papers. Or, uh, well, we had more. We have more leaving. Oh, more. Well, more was still more a, a player, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think, I so. think you're right. So I don't know. I just don't hold much weight to those players because their situations already. They when they have little eligibility, I think their options are less. But when like Kelly's guys besides we only had one transfer the, the guy the the one tight end who went back to 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 Rutgers Connecticut or whatever to New Jersey and so that made sense the homesickness but once the cracks I I say I think you're just a little bit premature of the cracks of the players like in terms of the cracks of the program it being exposed and I but I do think we're we may be even be a week away from that um I wouldn't be surprised if as soon as we lose bowl eligibility, right, <clears throat> in this season, then that's when we start seeing um, the younger players, the ones who we suspect that aren't getting as much time, um, the Irbys, the the Allens, the um, Ezekie, Michael Ezekie. 
um, those guys starting to put in, you know, starting to put up on Twitter their their notes of saying, you know, thank you to UCLA or whatever. I'm I need to move on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're probably right. It is just frustrating to see, but I don't know. I feel like I've wasted too much oxygen talking about the football team again. Yeah, <laughs> there's not much of it in LA right now. There's a lot of smoke because of that fire up in uh, up in the valley. So a lot of stay smoke. safe, everyone. Um, and then I guess we, so. We still do have a game on Thursday. It's a short week. Well, not short. Actually, a shorter two bye week. It's Stanford. We're losing. We're losing. That's my prediction. I don't. I Zed. I have to say this. This may be the first UCLA game I don't watch. Um, and I, I have can't even class remember. on Thursday evening, so <laughs> I I just can't take it anymore. Stanford. I want us to beat Stanford. It has been this way since I many moons. I want us to beat Stanford more than USC at this point because it's so frustrating. And to know what's so frustrating is that of course this is going to happen is that Stanford... They're not good either. They're, they're not good, but they're starting to roll and look a little better. Cam, Cameron Scarlett had a great game last week, which is so funny because he has not you know lived up to his billing. And he, only against Washington right before he plays us, he looks like he's rolling. Davis Mill had maybe his best game, which wasn't even really that great, but he put up, you know, one TD and like 293, I believe. Yeah, it was 293. And um, he had a great throw, which was busted coverage by Washington. But Stanford's going to come in, methodically beat us, or not even come in. We're going to go in, get beaten. It's just, it's going to be an ugly game. We don't have to waste too much time on a preview. But there's going to probably be 10 people in the stands. Two of them are going to be Bruins um, at the farm. It's a Thursday night game. It's just it's a scheduling waste. It's just going to happen. Uh, we'll Again, we'll get our sixth loss. We'll be one game away from losing bowl eligibility. And uh, we'll just keep on rolling. I'm curious to see what things are going to happen after next week. But Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not holding out for anything. <laughs> like... I just don't know if I'm going to watch the game. I may watch NFL over college football, which does it rarely happens. But uh, in this case, this may be the first. And I, I feel like I'm losing like some integrity as a Bruin because of this, but I just can't take it. Because what's going to happen is I'm going to feel a little bit of hope for two minutes of the game when we get two first downs and then, bam, it's a fumble and Stanford picks it up and runs the rest of the way or it's a pick six like it's it's going to be in dramatic fashion and the very dumb like mechanical stanford like way it's just and then we're going to see david shaw smirk it's the worst thing ever just want to stay away from it (laughs) uh yeah i don't know it's i i'm predicting a loss as i have been all season uh stanford I don't see any hope here. So, yeah, it it's it is what it is at this point and I'm just looking forward to basketball season. Well, quick quickly um, before um before we wrap up, just quick what do you, what's your score prediction on the game? Whew. Um I'm going to go with 28-7 them. 28-7. Okay. I say 31-10 them all right we're not too far off uh and then okay cool so that game's over and then a quick wrap up of other ucla sports yeah 
What do we got? Uh, men's water polo, number two, I think. Just beat number f- five. Uh, I don't remember the rank. Five, yeah. uh, UCSB. Yep, beat them last night. That, so that's the program's doing well. Um, men's and women's soccer's been kind of a mixed bag. The men lost to Stanford in overtime on Thursday, and the women beat Colorado. So that was kind of a mixed result there. Um, the women's volleyball team has been sort of struggling. They started off Pac-12 play pretty strong, but they just lost to... They got swept by Utah. I think they were on the road, so that was not good. Uh, the women's diving team, which I believe is ranked 23, absolutely destroyed Utah. That was kind of fun. Um, what else we got? Golf has started. There, uh, I'm not. I'm actually not sure, but it started. That's all I got. <laughs> women's golf. Yeah, our, women's golf, yeah. right? Yeah, women's golf's always good too. Yeah, it's a it's another program that's generally rolling. Um, so yeah, I think there's you know the the non revenue sports are chugging along doing pretty well for the most part there's a few stragglers in there that hopefully will turn it around but i think you know tennis will be coming up in a few couple months Uh, i know some of the players already sort of playing some tournaments and whatnot so there's some of that going on Uh, and then you know basketball's right around the corner can't wait yeah and garrett cole had an amazing um, close uh, game against the race. I want to talk about baseball. Oh yeah, but <clears throat> but yes, but um, Garrett Cole is holding it down for Bruins in the big league. Yeah, Garrett Cole's been great. I mean, he's looking like a Golden yeah. Glove. Cy Young. He, he, yeah, he's he's been fantastic. So nothing, nothing, nothing wrong to say about about our dude Garrett. Um, yeah, he's been great. So yeah. hopefully he he sees some postseason success. Yeah, our but yeah, I think that's it. That's it for this week on our bye week of football. We cover everything else, um, and we'll catch you next time. Follow cool. follow All us right. on the Bruin Source. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Apple Podcasts. We're 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 out here. Podbean. We're everywhere. Everywhere you can imagine, we'll probably be there. Cool. All right. I'll catch you guys next week, and go Bruins. Go Bruins.